Hi, this is Keisha. Welcome to the Face to Face podcast. Well, this evening I am excited to be able to uh, do my first interview, and I will be interviewing author and pastor Morris Aaron Shapiro. I cannot wait to share this with you. So without further delay. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this conversation. And we thank you, Lord, that this was ordained by you. And Lord, that the the right people that need to hear the words that will be spoken or that need to be directed to read Maury's book, that Lord, you would bring them about to do so and uh, to benefit from it in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I am interviewing Morris Aaron Shapiro, the author of Three Muslims and a Jew. Uh, it's a delightful and inspiring memoir. And uh, I'm so glad, Maury, that you're able to to join me this evening and, and have this conversation about your book. I'm glad to be. So uh, why don't you give me a little bit of uh, background um, about what inspired you to write this book? Well, I've been through many in- interesting experiences in my life, and I've shared many stories with people, and everybody said to me, you should write a book. But I waited until the Lord really led me to write this book, and he is the, you know, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so right. is the source of everything. So I just listened carefully to him. And, uh, you know, just, just the title of the book, Three Muslims and a Jew, started everything off. Mm. The, Lord, the Lord seemed to direct our path in everything we did with that book, from the cover to the title to each and every story. We, we sought his wisdom to write it, to glorify him. And uh, like I said, my life has been, is a very interesting life. And a lot of the stories I have in this book are extremely uh, you know, and serious. And the Lord brought me a long way from where I, where I came from. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. I never, you know, I became a pastor and I never thought I, uh, I, I knew I didn't have the ability to speak, but you know, the Lord calls you in that, in that way. And I, mm-hmm. knew I didn't have the ability to write. So the Lord also supplied all these needs for me. And, wow. Uh, so I was just inspired by God to write this book and to, to just share a number of true stories that really happened in my life. I tried to do them word for word, by the best of what I could remember. And uh, one, one, one interesting thing I would like to say is 
there are only 15 million Jews in the world. Mm. 500,000 are Messianic Jews. So I was, I'm a Messianic Jew. So I wanted to share that story of, you know, what it was like to be Jewish and uh, my coming to the Messiah. So right. I'm hoping many Jewish people will read this book. Yeah, that, that would be incredible. Incredible. Yeah, that was um, the, the beginning of your book where, where you talk about the, uh, the roots uh, of your, your family history. Um, it definitely was, it was quite fascinating to, to read about uh, your roots as a, as a Jewish young man. And uh, the the background of your your family history. How have your Jewish roots impacted your walk with Jesus Christ? You know, with, as somebody who I myself, I just I'm I guess I'm I'm what you would call a Gentile, right? Right. But we're all we're all, we're all one in Christ. Right. But I mean, from my roots, I came from Gentile roots. That's how you would say that, right? right. Yeah. So so you came from a, you came from the Jewish faith. And how do you feel that that had an had an impact on your walk with Jesus? Well, I learned more about the Jewish religion after I became a Christian. Really? And then when I was growing up, I, I went to Hebrew school for four years and, you know, be prepared to have a bar mitzvah. But you've got mm -hmm. to remember the, there are three types of uh, denominations or sects in the Jewish religion. There's reform, which is liberal. There's conservative and there's orthodox, which is very serious. They take, they take the Bible very serious. Now, the reform being liberal, they don't take it real serious. They just take the fact that you're, you're born with Jewish blood, you know, and uh, you, you should be proud to be a Jew. And so I didn't learn much. I, I can remember uh, the first time I ever heard the name Jesus. I had no clue who he was. They try to hide it from you. They don't, they don't uh, address it. And I, I approached the, the rabbi and uh, I asked him, who is Jesus? And he put his finger in my face and said, don't you ever mention that name. Oh, I was wow. shocked. So then I went home and I, I thought maybe I'd have better luck with my father. Well, I asked my father, who is Jesus? And he did the exact same thing. And they both had a lot of anger in their face and I found out that the rabbi that was teaching me had escaped from the Holocaust in an underground tunnel, and they had called the uh, Jews Christ killers, and so um. so it was so it's a it was a very uh, terrible experience for them, and they had a bad taste in their mouth about Jesus, and they didn't understand all the prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, the suffering Messiah. So mm. it, it had a tremendous impact. Like I said, when I started reading the Old Testament and learning about the Passover and uh, 
other fest, you know, other festivals they celebrate in the Jewish religion. And so it was exciting to, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like somebody who's brought up in, in a denominational church that really has a, an experience with the Lord and really comes to know him in a strong way. They, you know, they hadn't really, they, they knew about him, but they didn't know him. So right. the problem with the, uh, I had was they're just, you know, I wasn't really taught the Bible in Hebrew school. I was taught to read Hebrew, write Hebrew, and to, I had to sing 40 songs at my bar mitzvah in, in Hebrew wow. with no musical accompaniment. And that was an experience in itself. But Yeah, that sounds pretty intense. Right. So they, they taught us the prayers and I never knew what they meant. It was kind of sad, but now I found out what they mean. You know, like Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Olam, blessed art thou, O Lord, creator of the universe. You know, we were just chanting those type of songs. And uh, so basically, like I said, I learned a lot more after I became a Christian. I, I learned yeah. anything. Of course, you got to remember when you're eight years old, starting Hebrew school, and you've already been to school all day, and you're, you're going to Hebrew school after school, you're not too excited. You know, you, you kind of want to be outside playing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So probably that was part of the problem. I wasn't paying attention. Right. Right. That's understandable. Oh, wow. That's, um, you know, it, as you were saying that, it made me think of, um, you know, how there's a, there's many of us that we, until we we really truly have that um, encounter with Jesus, you know, you can uh, you can read the Bible, you can do all these things, and you're just, but you're just going through the motions, right? right? Cool. Which is, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of across the board, no matter no matter uh, no matter what we're going after, even from a Christian perspective you can just go through the motions and, and not really know the person of Jesus. Right, right. I, I think the first time I ever had an experience, and this wasn't with so much with Jesus, it was God speaking to me, was when I watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I was so moved and touched by that movie. I thought for about 30 minutes, I thought I was going to become a rabbi. But after 30 minutes, it disappeared. Wow. But I really feel that God spoke to me then, that there was a calling on my life. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible the way that God will use something like a, a movie to speak to us and, and captivate our hearts and sow seeds in us. It's amazing. It certainly is. Yeah. Wow. So with that being said, um, you know, what does it mean to you? Uh, to have a personal relationship with the Messiah. Well, it is very exciting. And, and you know, just for instance, I'll, I'll just share this. When I was eight years old, my parents told me there was no afterlife, that you just had to live this life, uh, be strong, be successful, you know, be rich. And uh, it really bothered me. It really bothered me immensely. So... When I, 
was first witnessed to by a man in therapy, physical therapy, because I was injured. I injured my knee playing football. And he, <coughs> excuse me, he told me to read the Gospel of John. As I started reading the Gospel of John, it was like, I, I remember I was on the lawn and it was like the heavens opened. I mean, it was like Paul being struck by lightning. Wow. It was it was the most unbelievable experience. And all of a sudden, I knew there was a God. I knew I wasn't alone. You know, I think the the, the biggest problem is you feel so alone. Now with the Messiah and yeah. the Holy Spirit, he's a comforter. So he's with you all the time. And so... And yes. he's the resurrection, you know, he's the resurrection. So he gave me hope. He gave me peace. He gave me comfort. Uh, I, I, there's a passage in uh, Isaiah 43 where it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So... Yes. No matter what I'm going through, as long as I call upon his name, I have the comfort of not going through it alone and him giving me the strength to face my greatest fears. You know, and when you earlier, when I had to face my greatest fears, it was pretty scary. But now with Messiah, you know, mm -hmm. now with this personal relationship, and I, and I do believe he wants to have a, it's kind of amazing that he wants to have this intimate relationship with us humans. He, he created us for fellowship. And so <clears throat> it's exciting to me. It's, it's, it's such a, such a difference to what I used to have of nothing to, to having everything. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And do you, do you find yourself having a, a burden um, for other others who are in the Jewish faith? I definitely do. And it was kind of interesting this year. I, I, or last year, I went to the 50th class reunion. And in that reunion were many of my Jewish friends. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood with a lot of Jewish people there, uh, large population. Almost all my friends were Jewish. And so I shared with them that I've written a book. And most of them are friends on Facebook with me, so they saw all my advertisements for the book. So I am hoping they read it. And, and it was quite interesting. Uh, my friend, Alan Siegel, who's not a Christian, he wrote the foreword in the book. And he was not, you know, he was not offended by anything I wrote. In fact, he, you know what I mean? I was, I was kind of concerned, is it too religious? And uh, no, he, he really enjoyed it. He didn't oh, think wow. it was, and uh, so that's what I was trying to. I was trying to reach him without being real religious, but but yet really explaining who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, and that really, that really, truly came across in the book. You know, I I think that was one of the things that that truly impacted me about the book was your transparency about your life and you wove who Jesus is to you and the dependency that you have upon him. You wove that in there so beautifully. It was just such a, um, 
it was such a humble, a humble story, but yet a powerful story at the same time, because Christ, I could, I could see Christ in your story. And uh, so it was, it was definitely a beautiful thing. And I, I pray as well that your, your Jewish friends, if they haven't already, that they will read your book. You know, my wife helped me quite a bit with this book. She's a, she's an excellent writer and she made a lot of suggestions and she Um, has a lot of wit and humor. So, so I couldn't have done it without her, but we, we totally depended um, on the Holy spirit. We, we were, we were listening to the Holy spirit and trying to put his words, not our words, you know, and, and and I like mm -hmm. to be transparent because I think it helps people see that uh, you can't pretend that everything's okay when it's not. And, And there's so much pretending going on and it intimidates people. They need to, they need to have uh, transparency and honesty and humility in these in these books. Oh, definitely, definitely. But you know, I'd, I've I've read a lot of a lot of books by Christian authors over, you know, over the years. I'm I'm a very hungry, <laughs> very hungry young believer, and uh, just you know, especially early on in my walk, I would I would just read and read and read and read. And uh, so, you know, I kind of feel like you just, I think you just, you pick up a sense of, you know, who's, who's just saying things to say them. And then who's saying things because their life is really genuinely sold out to Jesus Christ. And I just, I really felt that in your, well, in your I appreciate book. appreciate all the compliments. Uh, you know, you the case where you want something anointed, you don't. Uh, and I and I think one of the big mistake that a lot of authors make is there's too much teaching and not enough testimonies. So, you know, yes. especially if you're yes. trying to reach the world, you know, rather than a, just a Christian audience. And I, I'm trying to reach the world in this book. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can definitely sense that. And, you know, you, you just, um, you definitely took the words right out of my mouth. Um, you know, there was there were a lot of uh, passages that I had that I had underlined throughout the book. You know, where you were you were talking about things. Uh, you know, like the difficult years that you had gone through. You know, and you talked about um, you in your chapter "Fall from Grace." You know that the your thirties were were difficult years for you and. Um, you know, you, the, there's just, there's, there's a, there's a difference between just telling people what they need to do and, um, and sharing with people how we were humbled and then lifted up. Um, there was, uh, one passage in that particular, uh, chapter, you said, God humbles us and tests us to see what's truly in our hearts. The purpose is for us to learn to rely on him. And then you quote Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which just happens to be one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Yeah, and that other passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 8 about uh, the wilderness experience, which everybody has to go through 
you know, to, to learn to rely on God. And I think that's verse Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Uh, it talks about the wilderness experience and humbling us and testing us to show us what's in our hearts. And somebody doesn't go right. through that experience, they are not going to be able to relate to other people hurting or suffering in some way because they, you know, they haven't. And the fact, too, that uh, Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And because of that, he could speak to God face to face. So you and, and if Jesus had to go through the wilderness, all of us have to go through a wilderness sometime in our life. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize there, that uh, he's got to bring you low before he can use you. So. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've begun talking about on this podcast is knowing the difference between a church built on Jesus as the cornerstone and one that is not. And I, I truly believe that uh, a lot of people, including myself and the experiences I had gone through uh, with the church, you're very surprised. No one, no one tells you that you're going to be tested. Nobody tells you uh, that you're going to go through these tough experiences and, and your heart's going to get stomped on and you know, that people even inside the church can deceive you or, you know, it, and uh, I, I think that because it's such a shock, a lot of people don't survive uh, spiritually. They're so spiritually damaged um, by that experience that they, they feel that they've, they've either failed God or, or that God failed them. And uh, I know you had talked in your book about a bad experience you had with a false church. Um, could you share some of that experience yeah, I mean, with us? I, I had just become a Christian and I wanted to, I felt like God had called me to be a pastor and I wanted to go to a Bible school. It wasn't just a church. It was actually a Bible school uh, from Pinecrest ordained it. And uh, Pinecrest is a Bible, was a Bible school in Salisbury Center, which was very exciting. But uh, they mm. ordained it, they ordained the minister there. And the problem was, there was the Jesus people movement, which was fine, but the pastor was not on the level. And we didn't know, and a lot of them didn't know that. And so what happened was, it, it had tremendous praise and worship. Uh, he didn't teach all the time, so there was a lot of good teaching, and there was wonderful fellowship, and it just seemed like the greatest place on earth. And then all of a sudden, it fell apart. The pastor was exposed. He was busting some of the oh, students. Uh, he was hiding the fact that he was uh, he was a homosexual, and. Uh, we didn't know this stuff. I, I, I heard a few red flags and I tried to talk to the elders there, but the elders weren't very old. They were very young because he, he was a master uh, manipulator. You know what I mean? And he was, he had, the, he had the church deceived thinking we were the special church and we were greater than everybody else. And uh, it just, it just was mm -hmm. such a letdown 
when all of a sudden it just shut down because he was exposed. Uh, somebody beat him up and sent him to the hospital and everything came out. So they just stopped the church and there were, you know, there were thousands of people that had been there. There was, you know, there was like 150 on a Sunday, but I mean, through the years, through about seven years, there were thousands of people that attended that church. And it wow. was, it's hard to explain uh, because we just thought it was the greatest, we were convinced it was the greatest church on earth and we loved it. And, and there was no, no other, you know, it's, I think it's a, almost like an evil spirit that came over us where we thought that, uh, nope, right. can't go to any other church. No church will be, you know, like this. It's, it just broke our hearts. You know what I mean? When it, it fell apart like that. And, and I, I do oh, believe I there's, there's a evil spirit with it. You know what I mean? And, and it penetrated many of our hearts, including mine, where I didn't go to church for like seven or eight years. That's how bad I still believed in mm -hmm. Jesus but I could not survive without the help of a church. You know, I tried to, but I just couldn't do it. So it's, mm -hmm. it's just, hard, you know, unless you've been through something like that. And, and the problem is we, we, we focus on a church and not Jesus. And I think he was trying to teach us a lesson. And mm -hmm. I, I think I learned the lesson later that I didn't realize, you know, like just what you said, you really yeah. said it well that uh, they don't teach us about testing and deception, even in the church. They, I mean, they give you all the mm. nice, wonderful verses. And so you're not prepared when something like this hits. And I can't tell you how many people's lives were destroyed. I mean, very few of those people ever went back to church. One of them I even had in the book, I, I interviewed him and he, he became an agnostic and, you know, it was really, really sad. It was really sad. And I, I ministered to seven or eight of these people when I started, when we started our church in Gloversville, seven or eight of them came to our church, you know, not every week, but at different times. And, you know, they needed a lot mm -hmm. of healing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think spiritual abuse is probably one of the most painful things that you can ever experience. Um, you know, when somebody takes advantage of um, your vulnerability in a, in a spiritual way, it, it definitely leaves quite a scar. And um, yeah, and you, you had said uh, in the book, you had put your faith in a church and a movement instead of the Lord. And, um, you know, that, that definitely resonated with me. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gone through my own experience of being severely wounded a few times over. Um, and, and it definitely, it definitely leaves a, quite a wound um, but you know, Jesus, Jesus never, he never taught his disciples the way that we're taught. It, it, it couldn't have come as a surprise to them because he always told them, you know, if they persecute 
me. They're going to persecute you. You've got to take up your cross to follow me. You know, you've got to die to yourself. And I mean, he was, he was definitely not um, ever leading anyone to believe that it was just going to be a cozy experience to be a Christian. He, he warned about false teachers so many times. And why didn't you catch yes. them? Yes. Yes. And, you know, my wife has always said, where are people going to be deceived? They're going to be deceived right in the church. You know, that's that's where the yeah. enemy is going to come. He's going to find a pastor, an elder, or, you know, somebody. Absolutely. And that should be one of the first things. And I, I, I believe that's where God has been taking me with this podcast is he's asking me, to challenge people to really look at the faith that they have and ask themselves the question, is Jesus the cornerstone in what you believe? And are you sure that you're following after him or are you following after ideals? Are you following after religious rituals? Are you following after, you know, people that you consider fathers of the faith or are you really truly following Jesus Christ because if our cornerstone our cornerstone is set correctly which is Jesus then the rest of the foundation that we build as a Christian so <laughs> that's really something we should get out of the way quite early in uh, when when you're discipling people is there's false teachers out there there are going to be people who try to deceive you and this is how you can protect yourself from that or at least be knowledgeable enough not to get, you know, swept away by words and and emotions, right. you know? I agree 100%. <laughs> I, I, I tried to teach that, you know, I tried to teach what I learned, you know. That, that's what I tried to, yeah. I tried to warn people, you know, because they're going to be tested and it's going to be difficult, and they have to realize that's right from the Bible. It's not, you know, not just my personal opinion or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so easy because of our own, our own shortcomings. You know, we, we want to be accepted and we want to be loved and we want to, we want all these things when in fact the the one that we're supposed to be pursuing with all our heart isn't the person standing at the pulpit or other people in the building. I mean, that's supposed to complement the experience, right. right? It's and a lot of people put all their, they put all their eggs in that basket, so to speak. And then when, when uh, someone's careless and, and hurts them, they equate that with God letting them down. And, uh, you know, I. Yeah. The sad part is most people are followers. You know what I mean? They, they follow the leader. And if you don't have a good leader, mm -hmm. you're going to be in trouble. You know, you, you've got to read yeah. the word for yourself. You know, I always taught everybody right away. See, I think a lot of pastors make the people dependent on the pastor where they're supposed to really teach them mm -hmm. how to hear from God for themselves so that they're not tossed and turned by every wave of doctrine. You know what I mean? And to, to be like the Bereans, right. to test the teaching. You know, I always said that when I was teaching, I always said if, if 
I happen to say something you don't agree with, show me in the word and I'll be glad. You know what I mean? If I've made a mistake, I will admit it. Because I do not, mm. not, I never claimed to be perfect up there, but you know, I tried to follow him, you know, with a sincere heart and do the best I could. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that dose of humility. I mean, Jesus himself, although he he obviously, you know, he was perfect, and and he did have a, a probably the most beautiful relationship with the father of any man that will ever walk the face of the earth, but he was yeah. still meek and humble and he was still a washer of feet. And he still claimed that he came to serve, not to be served, you know? So it's, I, I think that those, those bad experiences, like if we, if we can allow, if we can allow God to make beauty from the ashes, so to speak, and bring that before him and, you know, and I just, I pray that anybody that's listening to this right now, that if you've gone through a bad experience and you've been hurt um, in the church and someone was careless with your heart, that you would know that God can make something beautiful out of the tragedy that you went through, that God was not the one who let you down, that it was man who makes mistakes and if you bring this to him, he can do something beautiful with it. And he will give you a testimony and he'll heal your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, and I, I really believe that the remnant, that the remnant church <laughs> going to be made up of a lot of people who went through some really tough stuff. Um, but they, they were steadfast and they were overcomers. Yeah, it's amazing how we can fail for seven years and then we finally get the answer and we become an overcomer. You know, it's, it's how you end up. It's not how you begin. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> He's so gracious. Yeah, I, God yeah, is so I gracious. Really like title overcomer in a sense because I was overcame in many of the instances and you know, in the end, he gave me the grace to become an overcomer. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like it says in, uh, in the book of Revelations, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's first and foremost. We're covered by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. You know, and that we loved our lives not unto death. And it's, it's where we, we get into that place of deepening our relationship and, and learning how to trust the one who is is worthy of our trust and of our of our honor and uh, you only get to learn that lesson in the school of hard knocks <laughs> when you when he he that's where he shows his hand that's where he shows himself to be the most powerful is in our Absolutely. weaknesses yeah. Yeah, if there was if there was one thing, Maury, that you could make a distinct impression upon your readers with this book that you've written, what would that be? I guess it would be the grace of God, but I, I think that we have to see that uh 
Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship with God. And as we have that relationship with God, we have a relationship with people. And to me, to be a pastor, you have to have a heart for people. And everything should be the motive of love in your heart. It should, you know what I mean? It, Jesus was in the mm-hmm. temple and he saw a man with a withered hand. He interrupted his sermon to go heal the man. It's, it's more important to minister to the needs than it is to promote your own ministry. But uh, yeah, I, I find that God is love and uh, Jesus is the exact represent, representation of God and Jesus is God. And he showed us how to love. And I think that's the main lesson we have to learn, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, that uh, everything should be done with the motive of love and to care about people, whether, you know, you know, it's kind of interesting. I came home for about a month and my main goal was to get together with people. You know, I ended up speaking at a lot of churches, Mm -hmm. a lot of Bible studies, but that wasn't my main goal. My main goal was to see friends or people that, uh, you know, hurting people or people I've known in the past, some of them are healthy people, but it's just the idea that uh, God has put us to be light in the world and people can see when you care about them. Yes. Absolutely. That is a that is the most vital part of our walk. And just like Jesus said, right. the greatest commands are God with all all of your being and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And uh, it's a continuum because I think as we as we love God and, and we learn who we are in him and we love our who he's made us to be, then we love other people more. So it's almost like this constant circle of, you know, um, growth that we love people more as we learn who we are in him. Yeah. You know, the, the personal stories that you shared, they made such an impact on my heart because a lot of it was you ministering to people just in this way as you were talking you know that you were it was a one-on-one you know the the stories that you were telling was were about you just being the hands and feet of Christ to an individual and you know that just that really blessed my heart um, that you had that you shared those personal experiences that you had with people but what what advice would you give to those who are not necessarily pastors, but desire to minister the love of well, Jesus we, to we people in Acts, that way. And in the book of Joel, it says, God has poured out his spirit upon all flesh, not just pastors. I think they have, a, I think that a lot of people have a mentality that pastors have to do everything. <laughs> you know, I was, I was just visiting a church and they, yes. you know, they had a program where they told their prayer requests. And so I just said to them, you, each and every one of you that have given a prayer request are going to pray for what you're, you know, asking for, you know, so they all did and it, it worked out well, but a lot of places, you know, they depend on the pastor now. So in saying this, 
is one of the most important things that I was trying to show in the book was learning how to hear the voice of God. And that's something everybody mm. can do. It's not just people higher rank in the church. In fact, most of the people that I give testimonies about are were outside the church, you know, nursing home where I worked, yeah. you know, riding on an airplane or even in a train. I mean, everywhere I went. See, there's there's always ministry opportunities for everybody, but you're not you're not going to find them unless you look mm -hmm. for them. You know what I mean? It's like you pray and say, Lord, use me today. Give me exactly. a ministry opportunity. Look for it. Look for opportunities. That's what I always did. I would always look for opportunities. I would suggest things. And when people responded, you know, it was wonderful. Now, when I worked at my job in the post office, I wanted to witness to everybody, but I had the wisdom that I couldn't do that. So I, I looked for opportunities. Right. And this is before I worked the window. And there was one lady that I just sensed that she was ready to hear about God. And so I, I approached her. She said something. And I said, you know, you just quoted the Bible. She says, well, I've never read the Bible. And I says, well, would you like to read the Bible? So she said, yes. So I gave her a New Testament and she read it. And the next thing you know, she asked me, well, my friends are having Jehovah Witnesses come to their house. Could you could you go over there and tell them the truth? And she, she and another one of her friends came and wow. we started a Bible study. Now, that was right after, you know, that was just when I was starting to go back to church after eight years of being away. Because God had me to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. and he called me when I was 23, and I didn't make it till I was 48. It was a 25, it was a 25 year wilderness experience where he had to, you know, get me in the right place before I could minister to minister. So, you know, it's kind of like one step of obedience can lead to many things. Now, because I shared, I brought that lady to the Lord, her husband to the Lord. Uh, and then I met other people through there. So it was like a, uh, an experience that because I was obedient in one thing, the Lord blessed it abundantly, you know? And so everybody knew, you know, it, it was funny when I first went there to work, I didn't tell anybody I was a Christian because everybody was turned off by this one guy that was uh, kind of self-righteous and, 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 you know, preached at him. He didn't, he didn't talk to them. He talked at them. So, I just said, mm -hmm. I'm going to be quiet for a whole year and let my life speak for what it's worth. And so they had a song on the radio. They had a song come on the radio that oh, was great. Amy Grant singing. And I said, oh, I like that song. And they looked at me right away and they said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. You know, so, <laughs> so it, you know, it opened <laughs> doors because they, they respected me. They saw that I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, Jesus was the friend of sinners before he became their savior. You, you've got to develop relationships with people before you shove it down their throat. Very simple. And so you've got to learn to be so sensitive to the voice of God. I can remember I was working with a lady next to me who was Catholic. 
And I started sharing the Lord with her. And all of a sudden the Lord said, stop. And I said, I don't want to stop. I have a lot more to say. He said, stop. So I listened to him and I stopped because she could only handle so much, you know? And so I, that's, that's just the key mm-hmm. element I've learned is to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, listen to him uh, in every little area, you know, seek him in whatever you're doing. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to choose to go to a, a restaurant, even I'll say, what's the best one to go to, you know? And so I'm just very, I try to be very sensitive mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit. And uh, right now, even now I'm uh, going to the ocean. I live real close to the ocean. I'm very blessed to live in Florida. And uh, there's a gazebo there. I sit there and I wait. I wait for opportunities. People come and sit down and uh, they get friendly and I talk to them. And, Do you like to read? And they'll go, oh, I'd love to read. I said, well, I have a book I think you might like to read. It's called Three Muslims and a Jew. And so, so, you know, the interesting part is that I shared this. I have a a teaching every Tuesday night, live teaching under my old church, Agape Christian Fellowship. So one of the men who uh, listens to that, he he bought 10 of my books and said, I heard about your testimony. I want you to give these away. You know, so it's amazing that he was so touched. Wow. And he, he wrote, he, he wrote one of the, uh, uh, what do you call those? The, you know, review, review for the book. And he, he says, this book inspires okay. me to want to witness to people. You know, that's basically what he said. So, yeah, so the Lord, Lord, that's incredible. The Holy Spirit is upon each and every single person. It, it doesn't matter what your title is, doesn't matter what your position is. And there's many people that, uh, amen, you know, just because He calls somebody to be a pastor doesn't make them better than somebody else. In fact, a lot of people in the church are probably better than the pastor. It's, it's, it's just, uh, to me. <laughs> My greatest fear when I, the Lord told me to leave the church in good standing was, you know, I'm preparing a message every week and it made it easy for me to read the Bible and spend time with God. I, I got really nervous about what was going to happen when I left that setting, you know, and, and because you're, you're used to teaching, you're used to uh, sharing and uh, so, but the Lord has been faithful. He's given me the strength. And then he called me to write the book. And it took us three years to write this book. There's a lot to writing a book that you don't know about. Even even, even with a publisher, it can take, yeah. a, you know, once you have the book finished, it can take a good six months. You know, it's, it's really, it's really a, an unbelievable experience. But we, we really felt that the Holy Spirit led us all the steps of the way from the beginning to the end. So we're excited. We've had, we've had many good comments mm-hmm. about the book. And so we, we, we you know, naturally we, we want to feel that the book is affecting people's hearts. It's leading people to Jesus and it's teaching people how to hear from God. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, one of the one of the other things that I really liked that you um, that you had included in the in the book was in the back, you put um, a very uh, 
easy to comprehend description of of uh, yep. was it was yeah the appendix Judaism Christianity right right the Muslim faith and uh, Judaism and uh, Christianity I really thought that that was a that was a great thing to include it, it really helped you to um, see those distinct differences uh, and just uh, how Christianity really has uh, yes. to do with relationship. You know, I spent a lot of time with those Muslims and you know I, I read the Quran three times but they also you know explained a lot of things to me that you know Allah is not a personal you know, what they believe is God. He's not personal at all. And they, they don't know if they're going to go to heaven or not. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a clue. But what amazes me is the comments I've gotten. Now, we had a friend for many years we've been, we've been trying to minister to. He's kind of a, a recluse where he doesn't have any friends. He stays in his house all the time. But my wife's family knew him quite well. And she was friends of his sister. And so we've tried to minister to him. And he, he came from a family that was atheist. And uh, he's grown up to mm. agnostic now. But he read the book and he said, I really enjoyed the essay at the end. He called it an essay and, and he wow. really enjoyed the whole book. You know, so that's encouraging to hear. Now, my, my sister who yeah. doesn't go to any church, brought up Jewish. She says she believes in Jesus. She read the book and she said, I really enjoyed the ending where you explain the difference between the three religions, you know? And you know what the amazing part about that is? I wrote that in about 30 minutes. God gave that to me and I just wrote it down as quick as you can imagine. And I didn't have to you know, struggle with it. It just came, like it just flowed from the spirit, I believe. Yeah, well, sometimes it works. You know, That's sometimes incredible. It's worked that way being a pastor. And sometimes I hear from God so clearly what to speak on. And I don't have, you know, it can give me five minutes, but then other times I can struggle if I'm not, you know, if I'm not hearing as clearly as I should be, which is pretty hard. <laughs> I, I enjoyed a pastor one time who said, it's almost impossible for somebody to preach a hundred times a year and have every message be anointed. You know, it's like, you're just, and, and that's why I, I always, when I have a church, I always allow other people to share because I realize that I realize limitations, you know, yes. If, if it was anointed, it was great for me to speak, but a lot of people in the congregation are very anointed and you've got to give them a chance to minister too. Yes, yes, that's incredible. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, well, Maury, why don't you um why don't you let everyone know that's listening um how they could get a copy of Three Muslims and a Jew and uh and if anyone wanted to get okay. in touch with you, how they might the do book? that. The book I wrote called Three Muslims and a Jew 
by Morris Aaron Shapiro is available on Amazon.com. And in the back of the book, I give a, a special email address just for the book. So if you, if you get a copy of the book and you look on the back of it, that way you would be able to, let me, maybe my wife will give me a copy of the book and I'll read what the, what the email on there is. Cause I, I don't use it very often. Yeah, it's coming. Oh, okay. So, okay, Actually, so it's, I have it right here in front of me. My name, Morris, capital M, Morris. Aaron Shapiro at mail.com. That would, yeah, if anybody wants to okay, contact wonderful. me or question me about anything we've said in this interview or anything in the book, I'd be very glad to hear from them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. And uh, as always, if anyone has any comments that they would like to leave about the podcast episode or they have any questions or you would like any prayer uh, you can contact me through the link that I leave in the description of this podcast and that'll allow you to leave me a voice message or you can contact me at face to face kmj at gmail.com well thank you so much Maury for this beautiful interview I I'm so touched by your story, and I really believe that there will be many hearts that will be impacted in the days yet to come, as I'm, I'm sure you've already had people who have been impacted, but I believe that there are going to be many more in the days to come uh, that are going to be touched and blessed by your story. Well, I, I'd like so thank you so much like um, for taking the time for to talk. Giving me this opportunity, and uh, it's you, you did a wonderful job in interviewing me. Uh, so I appreciate it, and I appreciate all your nice comments you've said about the book. So God bless you. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome, and I I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon, Take Maury. Take care. God bless. All right, you have a wonderful have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye.